Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. Conair is spreading love and celebrating women, not just on International Women's Day, but every day with Conair Girl Bomb. Girl Bomb is their new line of powerful hair removal tools made just for us. Yeah. Whether it's the silky smooth skin or the empowering confidence boost you get, Conair Girl Bomb is here to amp up those positive vibes with some self care. So, to all the beautiful women out there, keep shining, keep being you, and treat yourself to some Conair Girl Bomb magic. You deserve it. Available at Walgreens. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. An incredibly deep voice doesn't sell B2B. And advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell B2B either. That's why if you're a B2B marketer, you should use LinkedIn ads. With LinkedIn ads, you'll be able to target over 70 million decision makers all in one place. No deep voice required. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. Terms and conditions apply. You're listening to Disinformed, a mini-series from There Are No Girls on the Internet. I'm Bridget Todd. So I live in Washington, D.C., and it's been a rough few weeks. My city is still reeling from the violent attack on the Capitol by white supremacist Trump supporters. And now, we're all hunkering down to prepare for the threat of inauguration violence. And I'm still making sense of everything. How we got here, and most importantly, how we move forward. And I know I'm not alone. Melissa Ryan is a longtime digital organizer, turned extremism and disinformation expert. In October, we sat down to discuss the ways that she was seeing disinformation playing out in the lead-up to the 2020 election. Now, at the time, we didn't know what would happen in the election or the kind of violence that would follow. In hindsight, the signs were always there. But after four years, you couldn't really blame anybody who was just tuning Trump out as a coping mechanism. His Twitter feed was an all-caps mishmash of lies, threats, racism, and whatever Covifi is. Like a lot of us, the 2016 election was a turning point for Melissa. She'd seen violent rhetoric and conspiracy theories online. But in 2016, she remembers the temperature being turned up in a way she had never seen before. This was different. It was as if Trump being elected to the White House just dialed everything up. So why disinformation? Why is this something that you've dedicated so much of your life to? Oh, Lord, I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, I think it's the, the 2016 election really broke me um, because what I saw online in the weeks leading up, you know, you know, I have a long history as an online organizer um, and what I was seeing didn't make any sense. 
Uh, everything that Trump was doing was overamplified. Nothing that the left was doing seemed to be getting any play. And there was just more hate speech um, and more misogyny uh, than I had ever seen before. And like, I'm a woman on the internet, so I'm just used to a baseline of a, of a certain amount of that. Uh, and it just seemed to be increasing in frequency uh, and the danger seemed to be increasing. And uh, after the election, I, I decided that I, I had to make it my job. Do you feel like, I guess maybe this is a big question, but do you feel when you think of the state of disinformation and the conversations that we have online as women, as communities of color, do you feel hopeful or do you feel this is a dumpster fire? It will only get worse. That's a good question. I, I think it varies from day to day. I think there are things that make me ho- make me hopeful. Um, you know, I hope we're uh, about to win an election um, and send, I, I think, a, a very big message uh, to to the far right uh, about how America at large feels about them. Uh, but I, I I do worry. I worry that uh, a lot of progressives still don't quite understand the problem. Uh, that they think of disinformation as something that affects uh, their their aunt or uncle who watch Fox News um, and not that's largely targeting women or communities of color, uh, or they think that it's just going to go away uh, if Biden is elected. And, you know, both of those, uh, <laughs> both of those are, are incorrect uh, and make me worry. I'm really worried that if the election goes our way, then it's going to be like, oh, we don't have to worry about disinformation anymore. We don't have to worry about hate speech because they're all going to be gone. And that's just simply not the case. Biden was elected. And once again, it was like the temperature got turned up. Only this time, it was turned way up. Six days after watching the violent insurrection take place at the Capitol, that was largely fueled by the repeated baseless false claim that Trump won the election and it was being stolen from him, Melissa and I spoke again. We're two people whose work has consisted of warning people that something awful is coming, trying to get tech companies to take action to prevent it, and generally wading through the darkest corners of the internet. So if we sound like we're not in a great place, well, we weren't. So I have to say, you know, we are in this intense moment. You know, you've been doing this work for such a long time. Just in general, how the hell are you? It is a, it is a wild time to be someone who, who works in this space. How are you? Yeah, um, thank you for asking. Um, I, I'm... I can't say that I'm okay, and I don't think that any of us are okay. Um, it's been it's been such an awful experience, sort of watching this unfold and be organized online so very publicly, and then every day we find out news that says that the attack was much worse. I think even than uh, what we realized. Like the news just keeps getting worse every day, um, and it's very it's very unsettling to think about how many folks who hold elected office. Uh, up to the president were inciting violence um, and how many members of Congress and Hill staff and frankly, like support staff, maintenance and food service have to go back to work with some of these folks every day, less than a week after an attempted coup. Uh, I'm going to be sitting with that for a long time. Yeah, I definitely feel you on that. I think that's one of the things that really breaks my heart. You know, Nobody should be going through this full stop. But then when you think about the other staffers and then just, you know, folks, everyday folks in D.C. who Mm -hmm. don't have the kind of support, who don't have the kind of, you know, um, 
who, who maybe are, are not being taken care of in this way. Like I, I remember seeing an image of the largely black Capitol Hill staffers cleaning up. And I thought, you know, did these yep. folks also get the benefit of, you know, gas masks or protection or were they just out here on their own trying to do their jobs? Yeah, I read a, a harrowing anecdote about how after 9-11, um, no one actually came to evacuate the support staff and tell them that it was safe. And I just thinking like, oh, man, I hope I hope that there are better procedures in place now. Um, there was also an anecdote about how um, members of Congress were told that um, bulletproof vests were a reimbursable expense. And I was like, well, I wonder if you're a food service worker who's outsourced. I'm, I'm guessing it's not a reimbursable expense or even something that's, you know, it can be on your radar. So it's really horrible. A day before the violent riot at the Capitol, Melissa tweeted, we should probably talk more about how Donald Trump wants his supporters to get violent on his behalf tomorrow. He's been encouraging them to come for weeks and now inciting them. What concerns me is how many people are heading to D.C. hoping for violence. Though they don't seem to be clear with one another, if Trump is supposed to start the insurrection, or if they are. Her tweet would prove to be prophetic. Only, no one really wants to be able to say, I told you so, when they're talking about a violent mob attack. Yeah, uh, it's, I, I love being right generally in my life, but there is no worse time to be right um, than it's uh, a, thinking about a president inciting violence against Americans. Um, it, it was horrible. I spent my holidays... Uh, Trump on December 19th announced this event and he said, be there, be wild. Um, and he crowd built Ford over Twitter a couple more times. Who could have seen the events at the Capitol coming? Well, pretty much anyone who was looking. In fact, Trump's own administration found that homegrown white supremacist groups were a growing threat in America. The Department of Homeland Security called the threat from white supremacists the most deadly domestic terror threat facing the country. And yet, the Trump administration chose to instead prioritize what they called, quote, black identity extremists, or essentially anyone who was black and happened to be connected to Black Lives Matter, as the bigger threat. What's hard for Melissa is the fact that these attacks were so openly planned on social media platforms. Folks were just on, in MAGA world, were so openly organizing. Um, they were on the Donald, they were on Parler and Facebook groups, and the rhetoric just kept getting increasingly violent. Uh, they were talking about storming the Capitol. They were talking about how they were going to hang and execute members of Congress and anyone who was in the deep state. Uh, and it was all just happening on the out in the open. And it was very disturbing. Um, and partly it's very disturbing because it's really hard to tell, like, who is fantasizing and who is actually making plans. Yeah, I can imagine that. And, and I think from what you just said, you know, if you knew where to look, these things were being organized in plain sight. What is it like then to have so many officials kind of make it seem as though we could never have predicted this? We could have never prepared for this. What is that? I mean, it almost kind of feels like a kind of gaslighting where you're thinking, oh, I literally just saw this being planned on Twitter.com in public or on Parler, you know, having all of these officials kind of like lean on this language that makes it seem like no one could have seen this coming. What is that like to see? Yeah. I mean, what I'll say is whiteness is a hell of a drug. <laughs> um, it's, it's, I have no doubt in my, I mean, I think about how we know law enforcement surveils and infiltrates 
supposedly groups of all political stripes, but we know what happens to folks on the left. We know what's been happening to Black Lives Matter. Um, I can't imagine if something on a Black Lives Matter forum or group or conversation was said that was like a quarter of this vitriolic, that there wouldn't be just an incredible police presence in response. Um, and that all this was happening for weeks. And again, like there's no way folks didn't see it was happening. Um, it's just that they saw it was happening and chose not to take it seriously. You know, folks like you and other organizations and the organization that I represent, Ultraviolet, we've been calling on tech platforms to take this information and violent rhetoric on social media seriously forever. I mean, you and I have been in some of the same meetings with leadership from companies like Facebook and Twitter, and we just listen to them say over and over again, oh, well, we can't do this, we can't do this, we can't do this, and throw up their hands. And it turns out they could do it this whole time. Yeah, all it took was a violent attempted coup. Um, no, I mean, what I go back to is the tech platforms and Facebook is the worst actor, but I think, you know, YouTube and, and Twitter have to take some heat too. They've always treated this like a PR problem. And when we see big changes is after terrible, tragic events happen. Um, and then it's like, no one could have predicted, no one could have prevented. Um, Sheryl Sandberg actually had the audacity to say yesterday that this attack wasn't organized on Facebook, mm. um, which was just, I, I, I don't even know how still after all these years, you can say that with a straight face or what PR person would advise you to do that. Um, but again, it's like, I think hope, you know, we know from news, uh, public reporting that Twitter seems to indicate that part of the reason that they took down Trump's account and did another round of takedowns was because of, um, intelligence they received about more violence. So I'm sure that plays into it as well. But after the past four years, it's hard not to be cynical and be like, oh, you just see this as another PR problem. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree. To, to, uh, to go back to Sheryl Sandberg, in that video yesterday, she said, oh, we Facebook moved to take down all the Stop the Steal groups. And I happen to have on my other monitor uh, Facebook up and I was looking at the group. So I was like, well, she's telling me that they're down, but here I am here they are. with my eyes looking at them. Well, I mean, how much, you know, we talk about being in some of the same meetings. How how often have, you know, we've been there with nonprofit organizations who are saying, this is what we're seeing. This is what it is. Here's the list. And then Facebook dances around it like, oh, they've only had two strikes and our review is different. And it's just, you know, abdicating responsibility again and again. It's always something. It really, it really is like a crisis of leadership. It's, you know, passing the buck. It's blaming, you know, contract uh, content moderators or something. It's, it's, mm -hmm. there's always something I feel where they're able to really skirt accountability. And I, I think it's interesting to watch how quickly they're moving now with how slowly they've been moving in the past and how they've just been, you know, parroting this idea that there's not much they can do when it's clear that's not the case. Yeah. You saw that in the early days of COVID too. I mean, I think Facebook, uh, took a lot more proactive action than they have in the past because they could sort of, you know, see what was coming and they still didn't do enough. But it's like, well, we know you can move fast when you need to. What was your reaction to Trump being kicked off social media, you know, first Facebook and then Twitter? I was I was truly stunned when he was finally uh, suspended from Twitter, uh, especially when it was permanent. I remember just like that night, just like staring at the, the space where his page used to be. Um, I think I tweeted, you know, your moment of Zen. And honestly, like selfishly, I was like, oh, my God, I'm never going to have to wake up and wonder what he tweeted. Um, I'm never going to have to worry if he like started a war or fired someone or anything over Twitter. Um, so personally, uh, it was God, it, <laughs> it was like this giant weight had been lifted off. I have seen 
so many people, some of whom are people that I respect or who's, you know, I think are thoughtful people making this argument of like, well, if they can do this to Trump because they don't like what he has to say, who, what's stopping them from doing it to me or to you or to anybody else? Make, making Trump being deplatformed about a free speech issue. Do, do you believe that uh, Trump being deplatformed from Facebook and Twitter and social media is a free speech issue? I don't, um, because again, he was inciting violence. And uh, when we're talking about free speech, we're talking about free speech of a select few. And it completely ignores everyone who has been uh, deplatformed or harassed offline over the number of years by these same folks. Um, I also think uh, the world leader, Twitter's world leaders policy in particular is something we haven't talked about enough in this. Um, and I think, you know, I've got kind of an obsession with it. Um, for a long time, Twitter, if you were a world leader, they were going to leave your tweet up no matter what it was because it was newsworthy. Um, and basically what that did was it gave world leaders uh, another weapon to abuse. Um, and obviously every world leader isn't going to abuse it, but it was if you know that your tweet is not going to be taken down, that gives you a lot more leeway to do things like incite violence and make threats. Let's take a quick break. Like Donna and Tom from the Pawnee Parks Department, I love to treat myself. Mimosas, massages, fine leather goods, all of it. And treating myself does not end when it comes to taking care of my health and body. So if you treat yourself to the top options with everything in life like I do, why settle when finding a doctor? It is your health after all. Enter ZocDoc, the place where you can find and book tens of thousands of top-tier doctors, all with verified patient reviews. So don't settle. Go for the best and find the right doctor for you. With ZocDoc, you've got more options than you know. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. No more waiting awkwardly on hold with a receptionist. And these docs all have verified reviews from actual real patients. We're talking about booking appointments with tens of thousands of top-rated patient-reviewed credible doctors and specialists. You can filter specifically for ones who take your insurance, are located near you, and treat basically any condition you're searching for. The typical wait time to see a doctor booked on ZocDoc is just between 24 and 72 hours. That's it. You can even score same-day appointments. Listen, I have been using ZocDoc for years, even before they asked me to make this ad, and you should too. Go to ZocDoc.com slash NoGirls and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top-rated doctor today. That's Z-O-C-D-O-C dot com slash NoGirls. ZocDoc.com slash NoGirls. As we celebrate International Women's Day and all the strides we've made, let's also take a moment to reflect on something important, the future of our self-care. You see, for too long, we've compromised on things that matter most, us, but not anymore. New Conair Girl Bomb is helping us embrace a new era of self-care and self-love. Girl Bomb represents a groundbreaking line of hair removal tools specifically designed for women. From the smoothest shave to the most precise trim, Conair Girl Bomb is all about making you feel empowered, confident, and unapologetically you. Whether it's creating a hype playlist, throwing yourself into a hobby, or scheduling some me time, self-care is so important. With Conair Girl Bomb's ultimate Girl Bomb grip and professional grade blades, we're reclaiming our self care journey with precision and power, the kind we used to only get from men's tools. So head to Walgreens today and treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic. 
Because when you look good, you feel good. And there's nothing more empowering than that. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey ladies, it's Bridget Todd. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. The RTP Heart Health Squad will support you in protecting your mental health and overall well-being. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. And we're back. I wish we lived in a world where world leaders could be trusted to not incite violence and make threats. But let's be real, that's not the world Americans have spent the last four years living in. The seductive power of violence and threats combined with the power of unrestricted social media access proved to be too much for demagogues like Trump to resist. Social media companies need to be held accountable when their platforms are used to spread hatred and incite violence. There need to be standards, and elected officials whose voices are amplified by the power of their office should be held to them too. So I've always maintained that world leaders should actually be held to the same standard uh, that any other user on Twitter uh, Twitter is, um, partly because the idea of newsworthiness is silly because world leaders have a million other channels uh, where things that they say are, are newsworthy, but also because it just gives already powerful people an extra weapon to wield against their political opposition. Another question I have for you is, you know, I think that for so long we had this idea that people who were spreading conspiracy theories and disinformation were like fringe groups. What is it? How do we combat it when you you have elected officials, some of which who took part in the in the you know insurrection? How do we combat this idea that we're dealing with a handful of fringe people when in fact it is it's elected officials? It is like the official GOP repeating you know, false claims about Antifa being behind the attacks on the Capitol. How can we combat it when it's, it's in some time, it's in some cases seems to have gone so mainstream. Yeah. I mean, look, the biggest uh, purveyor of disinformation in the 2020 election was Donald Trump. And he used his presidential campaign and the White House and every uh, lever of federal government that he had to spread disinformation. Um, That's not fringe. We've also had an increasing amount of far-right candidates uh, run for office and win. There are currently two members of Congress who uh, are known believers of QAnon, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene and and Lauren Bort in um, Colorado. I don't think I said the latter's name correctly, but it's fine. Um, So, and we see an increasing amount, like there's uh, Amanda Littman on Twitter has been keeping a list of all the state legislators uh, who showed up at the Capitol and were involved in the insurrection. So these folks have been building political power in the Republican Party for a long time. They hold elected office. That's not fringe. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, when people talk about how uh, Donald Trump's free speech is being suppressed, he could, you know, do a press conference, do a press release there. I mean, presidents were able to get their thoughts out before social media existed. So he certainly has 
a plethora of channels with which to put his opinions out into the world. And I think it's really something that we're acting as if, you know, as if the only avenue, the only avenue that he can do that is social media. That might be the way that Trump personally feels, but it is not the case. Yeah. No, I really enjoyed Republicans going on national television complaining about how they're being silenced. <laughs> yeah, it's like, ooh, I didn't realize that uh, if when you have your speech su- uh, like suppressed, you get to go on like the major cable news networks to talk about it. <laughs> exactly. And I also think, I mean, I think it really speaks to this idea of who of like free speech for who, because, you know, Mm -hmm. we know that black activists, progressive groups have long complained about, about being suppressed on social media platforms. And so those were conversations that completely predate what we're talking about. And yet now when it's Trump who, who is, you know, having his accounts banned for terms of service violations repeatedly, that is the free speech issue. But all of the times where progressive groups and black activists and folks like that have said, oh, we're, mm-hmm. being, su- we're, having our, our, we're being suppressed on social media platforms, it didn't seem to be that same issue. Mm-hmm. And all the folks who have been driven, and again, particularly uh, black people, people of color, women, uh, who've been driven offline by harassment from these folks. And we don't talk about that either. Like, that's a form of deplatforming as well. So this is actually something I know a bit about firsthand. Once upon a time, I used to love the social media platform Reddit. And there was a time in my life where I spent hours every day moderating a subreddit that I loved. But that all ended after getting a lot of coordinated, sexist, racist harassment on the platform. It pretty quickly became clear that staying on Reddit would mean subjecting myself to a nonstop torrent of harassment and threats. So I left. I had been deplatformed. You know, as someone who has, you know, makes my living on the internet and has been online for a long time, even before all of this, Something that I was always struck by is this idea that things that happen online aren't real or don't really matter or aren't don't have real world consequences. And I think that's something that that I have bumped up against pretty much my whole adult life, that if something happens online, just shut your computer, you know, go outside. Why don't you, you know, delete your Twitter and focus on the real world? I, I wonder if we're finally getting to a point where folks can't say that anymore. Folks can't say like, oh, it's just happening online. It's just happening on 4chan, what have you. But actually what we know, these things have real world consequences. Yeah. I mean, there's just not a recognition of how much online rhetoric uh, radicalizes folks and leads to offline action, uh, whether that's terrorism, whether that's online harassment. Um, In the case of of progressive activists, you know, uh, your personal safety is often in danger, uh, you know, I this week might have been a, a turning point in understanding that, but I feel like people who just don't want to think about it, uh, that's an easy thing that they can say, oh, you know, just turn your computer off. Yeah, I hate that. I mean, I, the, the first time that I ever had, you know, kind of a scary harassment online, I, I remember going to, to law enforcement, and this was many, many years ago, and it was just so clear to me that they did not understand what I was describing or what I was dealing with. And the the officer that I spoke to was like, oh, you should just stay off of the internet. And at that point in my life, I was a, a, a budding, you know, internet critic and, and budding online right. organizer. So I was like, so essentially you're telling me to quit my job, <laughs> go back to college, find a, a brand new career, you know, it is yeah. like, like, like this idea that I could just end all of this by logging off, I found to be just really deeply exposed how little at that time, law enforcement was taking this seriously. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's not a recognition that for so many of us, our our jobs are largely online and our lives are largely online. 
um, and just logging off just isn't an option for most of the population. Exactly. Um, something that you tweeted that I found so so interesting. You said, "This is the last gas of the Trump administration," but I worry about what it might might have birthed. Tell tell me about that. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think? Where do you think we go moving forward? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be interesting, and I think a lot of where we go has to do with how much we hold the people responsible for this accountable. Um, you know, if we sweep this under the rug, we are sending a strong signal that you can terrorism is an okay way to get what you want uh, politically. But I do think it's important to recognize that in, what, eight days now, Trump is no longer going to be the president. He's not going to have the power of the White House. He's not going to have the power of every agency in the federal government. So his power to influence is going to be greatly diminished. Um, and I think Joe Biden has an opportunity uh, you know, to hold, to hold folks to account, uh, to hold organizations to account, and really start to get into the systemic changes that need to happen for this not to happen again. Um, I think it's also going to be really interesting to see what Republicans do, because, I mean, they're rattled. You saw McConnell on the floor that night. The man was visibly shaken. Um, and so is, you know, what are what are they going to do? And that's going to tell us a lot about where things are going as well. More after this quick break. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. The RTP Heart Health Squad will support you in protecting your mental health and overall well-being. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. As we celebrate International Women's Day and all the strides we've made, let's also take a moment to reflect on something important, the future of our self-care. You see, for too long, we've compromised on things that matter most, us, but not anymore. New Conair Girl Bomb is helping us embrace a new era of self-care and self-love. Girl Bomb represents a groundbreaking line of hair removal tools specifically designed for women. From the smoothest shave to the most precise trim, Conair Girl Bomb is all about making you feel empowered, confident, and unapologetically you. Whether it's creating a hype playlist, throwing yourself into a hobby, or scheduling some me time, self-care is so important. With Conair Girl Bomb's ultimate Girl Bomb grip and professional grade blades, we're reclaiming our self-care journey with precision and power. The kind we used to only get from men's tools. So head to Walgreens today and treat yourself to a little Conair Girl Bomb magic. Because when you look good, you feel good. And there's nothing more empowering than that. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Okay, so I love the internet, but if you listen to this podcast, I probably don't need to tell you that it can come with a lot of very serious privacy concerns. The sad truth is being a traditionally marginalized person online or being an activist or even just somebody who sticks up for what you believe in means having to worry about what kind of information is online out there about us. It's something I think about a lot. And that's why I personally use and recommend Delete Me. 
Sign up and provide Delete Me with exactly what information you want deleted, and their experts take it from there. Take control of your data and keep your private life private by signing up for Delete Me, now at a special discount for our listeners. Today, get 20% off your Delete Me plan when you go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and use promo code nogirls at checkout. The only way to get 20% off is to go to joindeleteme.com slash nogirls and enter nogirls at checkout, J-O-I-N-D-E-L-E-T-E-M-E.com slash nogirls, and we'll see you on the internet. Let's get right back to it. I've been seeing a lot of people calling for unity right now. Let's try to come together. I think the first thing we need to do as leaders in America is lower the temperature and try to come together. I think we need to lower the rhetoric. We need to get some unity going. But you can't have unity without accountability, without justice. And as one of the half a million Americans who calls Washington, D.C. my home, it's obvious we aren't there yet. Today... I'm preparing for an inauguration weekend where it might not be safe to leave my apartment. I'm buying groceries and making plans in case the mayor declares an emergency curfew like she did the day of the riots. I'm watching elected officials and far-right media outlets continue to traffic in the same kind of baseless conspiracy theories that got us here in the first place. That, quote, Antifa or Democrats were responsible for the terror at the Capitol. Here's Representative Matt Goetz repeating a false claim on the House floor that a facial recognition company found, quote, Antifa members were part of the Capitol riots. And I don't know if the reports are true, but the Washington Times has just reported some pretty compelling evidence from a facial recognition company showing that some of the people who breached the Capitol today were not Trump supporters. They were masquerading as Trump supporters and, in fact, were members of the violent terrorist group Antifa. That's a total lie, by the way. The Washington Times retracted the story after the facial recognition company threatened legal action. So where's the accountability? Melissa hopes President-elect Biden can unite the country, but not without accountability for everyone. The insurgents who stormed the Capitol, but also the elected officials media outlets, and social media platforms who helped them get there. So you actually published what you called a roadmap to accountability. Tell me about that. I I think what has happened here is like you can't even describe it as a systemic failure. Um, And we all, I think, as Americans have a role to play in holding institutions and people accountable. Um, So I just mentioned, uh, you know, where I thought were good places to start. And some of them, you know, we've talked about already, uh, the tech companies, Uh, Trump and his administration, uh, the Republican Party, uh, law enforcement, um, particularly the white supremacy problem that we we know and have in law enforcement, um, and and the rioters themselves. Um, And I think what's interesting about Joe Biden, you know, his most of his rhetoric has been about unity and coming together, but he's also been very specific about uh, the need for accountability. Uh, He called uh, the uh, rioters seditionists yesterday which I thought was uh, great. Um, And when he was uh, introducing his Justice Department nominees, uh, he talked about the importance of uh, holding these folks accountable, uh, calling them out, calling what they did crimes. He he called them, you know, he used the words like terrorism and terrorist. Um, So I don't necessarily want to discount what Joe Biden is going to do. So are you hopeful in this moment? You know, when you think about the state of disinformation and how we got here, are you hopeful for what's on the horizon? I mean, I'm not a hopeful person by nature. (laughs) 
<laughs> if I was, I probably wouldn't do this work because it would like kill my soul. Um, you know, I will just say that I, I can see what's possible. Um, I have also seen us, you know, particularly in the past decade of, of American politics, make the wrong choice again and again. Um, but I finally see a landscape where it is possible to start having some of these changes and accountability. You know, we have the Senate, we have Congress, we have an administration that has signaled they're they're going to take uh, domestic terrorism and white supremacy and disinformation seriously. So we have all the pieces in place. Yeah, that's a good way to think about it. So maybe not hopeful, but, you know, cautiously, like, we'll see what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, so one of my last questions for you is, you know, I, I've, I know that you've written quite a bit about this. Um, women and underrepresented communities are some of the biggest targets of disinformation and we, de- we disproportionately deal with it. What does it mm-hmm. feel like to know that so many of, so much of the, I guess, infrastructure of combating disinformation and violent rhetoric are women? You know, when we are in these meetings, sometimes I look around on Zoom and I'm like, oh, this is all the people who are here calling for accountability are women. Like, what is it like, you know, also seeing when insurrectionists are unmasked online, I feel a lot of the people doing that very dangerous but critical work are women. Are I, women. Exactly. Like, I, I, I just want to highlight our role in this work. It's, do, do you ever feel the same way? I do. I, I both feel uh, a great source of pride and then also a frustration when it's a panel of disinformation and they try to do all men who work in tech. Um, so I think it's it's a situation that I see reflected in politics a lot where women are like digging in and doing the work and, you know, a certain contingent of men are sort of building profiles for themselves. Um, so I think it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag. I'm really glad to, to see that that work is happening. Um, but I really wish more women got credit. I was so happy about, uh, you, you mentioned, uh, women who were unmasking these guys, uh, the profile in the Washington post this weekend, um, of, of Molly Conger and, and Emily Gorcheski who have been doing this work of, uh, unmasking Nazis online just since Charlottesville. And it was so great to see them get their due and their credit for this work. Absolutely. And I also think, you know, not even that long ago, they were kind of vilified for that work. It was it was seen as like like starting trouble online. And now we re- I think that now I hope we're able to step back and say, actually, that that very dangerous, thankless work they were doing is actually a, a reason why we're here now that we have some hope and have some infrastructure for how we can move on from this and get accountability. Yeah. And it's been really gratifying seeing the whole Internet being like, oh, we have to identify these guys. Um, it still blows my mind how they were so not worried about consequences that they all live streamed themselves committing crimes in the Capitol. And I mean, it's terrifying, right? Because I, I think they truly thought they were going to win and hold on to the Capitol. But also, it's just like, man, it's just the stupidity that's on display right now. Uh, yeah, I think one of the, I forget, I forget which guy it was, but one of his lawyers was on TV and was like, well, my client took selfies while doing it. And, you know, I'm not a magician. And I thought, that's like the last thing I want to hear your lawyer say is I'm not a magician. <laughs> I watched that video so many times yesterday. <laughs> like, well, I'll do the best that I can. <laughs> oh, it really, what a time that we are living through. Um, Melissa, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me. Where can folks keep up with all the amazing work that you're doing and support it? Oh, thank you so much. Um, it's always great to talk to you, Bridget. Uh, so you can subscribe to Control-Alt-Write-Delete uh, at controlaltrightdelete.com. Uh, It goes out every Sunday night. It's free. We now have more than 16,000 weekly readers. Um, And you can also find me on Twitter at Melissa Ryan. 
Got a story about an interesting thing in tech or just want to say hi? We'd love to hear from you at hello at tangodi.com. Disinformed is brought to you by There Are No Girls on the Internet. It's a production of iHeartRadio and Unbossed Creative. Jonathan Strickland is our executive producer. Tari Harrison is our supervising producer and engineer. Mike Amato is our producer. I'm your host, Bridget Todd. For more great podcasts, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, ladies, it's Bridget Todd. March is Women's History Month. Let's celebrate us. As women, we put our heart and soul into everything we do. Release the Pressure is here to help Black women look at self-care as an act of self-preservation. I'm inviting you to help us get 100,000 Black women to learn more about their heart health. Go to www.releasethepressure.org and take the pledge to prioritize your heart health. That's www.releasethepressure.org. You are valuable. Learn more about your heart health today. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. And that makes us FACET for life now, I guess. <laughs> Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also make you feel totally in control? Enter Conair Girlbomb. They're like your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results. Made just for us. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip to the professional-grade blades, say goodbye to settling for less. With Conair Girlbomb, you get the precision and power that used to only be exclusive to men's tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb. Available at Walgreens.